guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the pod. This is your host, Melissa, and you are listening to Mimosa Sisterhood, where we pop bottles, get crunk, and tell stories about the world's greatest women. Today, we have another episode in our Everyday Woman series where we get to talk to real women in the world that are kicking ass and taking names that have inspirational life stories that can help you and I in our everyday lives. And I'm super excited because today we are about to spit some motherfucking knowledge on all you business booze out there in the world. We are talking about work, money, and making that money honey. I'm not kidding. We're talking all things work today, all things money. And of course, I hunted down the expert out there in the field because y'all know that for sure isn't me. So today I'm talking with Anna McDonald Dowling, and she is the CEO and co-founder of The F School, which is an online platform that teaches women and girls all of the skills that should have been taught in school, but weren't. I am obsessed. You guys have heard me time and time again on this podcast bitch and complain about the fact that we don't learn jack shit about the everyday things we need to know in order to operate successfully in a normal life. So the minute that I met Anna and learned about the F school, I was like, oh, you are coming on the podcast ASAP. When can I book you? We need to chat because not only do I need to benefit from all of Anna's knowledge, but I have no doubt that there are so many of you out there listening who have time and time again struggled in the workplace, whether that is getting a job in general, your interview process, getting your first big girl job, something in the professional world that requires you to sit behind a desk and wear a pencil skirt and pretend like you're prim and proper when you really drop it like it's hot on the weekend. Or maybe you're someone like me who's been in the corporate world for an eternity at this point and is still constantly struggling to be seen, to be paid appropriately, to get promotions that I damn well deserve, and to just navigate this corporate world that we all know is corrupt as fuck. That's why it's called corporate. It's corrupt. So yes, so Anna's here and she's going to be spitting all of the knowledge and she has so many incredible tools and tips for you and I to help us just get through this thing called life where 90% of this thing called life is dealing with work, careers, and money. I learned so much from Anna. I am so excited for you guys to learn so much from Anna. And at the end of this episode, you are going to learn more about her free webinar for women, specifically focusing on negotiating your salary. So I really hope all of you take advantage of this program. It's free. 
which like everybody loves free things. I mean, hello, duh, we're over here bitching and moaning about our salaries. So clearly free is in alignment with our life goals. You can access Anna's free webinar on negotiating your salary in the show notes of this podcast episode. Just scroll down to the resources section and it should be clickable right there in your podcast player. And you could be all up in Anna's grill, learning all the facts and figures and making that money honey, right? That's what we all want. Okay, we're about to dive into it, but I've got a pretty big podcast update for all of you listeners. You may have noticed over the past month, I have been MIA, which I am not proud of. I am getting my ass kicked at my real job, my nine to five. Yep, that's right. I've got one. And it's really throwing a wrench into my podcast production schedule. I'm a one-woman team. I do it all on my own. FYI, one podcast episode takes like seven to ten hours to edit. So uh, I'm really struggling to keep up with this weekly schedule. So I'm going to do a little test run over the next two months, maybe to the end of the year, and I'm going to switch over to a bi-weekly production schedule, and we're just, we're going to see how it goes, because my absolute number one priority is always bringing you the best podcast episodes that I can deliver with the best research, the best guests, the best editing, the best production. I want to do my best job, and I'm thinking it's going to be difficult to deliver absolute perfection on a weekly basis. So I'm just going to switch things up. No need to panic. No need to fret. We're going to keep delivering some badass content for you guys, um, but we're just going to be making a brief adjustment and we're going to see how it rolls. So that's my news. And uh, I hope you guys understand and I hope you guys stick with me. And hopefully I get a little bit of my life back so I can continue producing a weekly podcast for you guys because we all know that's all I want to do in my entire life is podcast nonstop all day long, 24 hours a day, every single day of the week. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. I love you guys so much. I'm so sorry for the brief break that we had, but we're back in action. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm absolutely amped off of it. Anna is an absolute gem and she knows all the shit. So without further ado, grab that glass of bubbly, that wine, that shot of tequila, and let's get ready to party. Hello, Anna. Welcome to Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Melissa. Thanks for breaking up the monotony of my Monday afternoon with a beer. (laughs) This is awesome. Yes! Oh my god, yes! You're having a beer. I yeah. love it. Why so, don't all podcasts should start with beer? I mean, please. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you drinking? What kind of beer do you have over there? Uh, I'm drinking a Stanley Park Sunsetter, which is a peach wheat ale. Um, it's it's local to Vancouver where I live, and it's it's like summer in a can. I love wheat beers, and I love the fruity wheat beers. Yeah, they're same. so tasty, perfect for summer. Mm-hmm. I love it. So cool. Well, I'm happy yeah. you're having cocktails, beers, and beverages <laughs> with me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about bringing this up because I wanted to specifically ask you a question. Do you have Trader Joe's in Vancouver? No, 
No, we don't. And it's like anytime anybody goes down to, because we're so close to the border with Washington State, anytime mm-hmm. somebody goes down, everyone immediately goes to Trader Joe's. Yep. It's a thing. Yeah. So what I'm drinking today is really a Trader Joe's recommendation. So it's a major bummer that you can't <laughs> hop on this bandwagon. Mm-hmm. But I just recently whipped up this cocktail in my apartment with like, it was all I had in the house, and it turned out to be the greatest thing I've ever drinking in my life, mm. which is, like, a little over the top. Like, I'm kind of exaggerating. But I am drinking vodka on ice with Trader Joe's grapefruit – no, wait. It, they're Italian grapefruit soda. Nice. So it's, like, carbonated – it's not, like, grapefruit juice. It's, like, a carbonated grapefruit-flavored soda – And it is so good, so refreshing. And I just was like pulled this together the other day. It was the only like juice I had at home. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm a genius. I just made the best cocktail ever. So I normally drink wine on my shows. But today I am having a nice little actual cocktail today. So cheers, cheers to drinks. Cheers. Um, I'm totally here for any kind of citrus cocktail, especially like the weather is so hot and it doesn't usually get this hot here. So I would normally drink wine as well, but it's just red wine is not an option when it's 30 degrees. I'm like boiling. (laughs) It's boiling here also. And we don't have, I live in California in like the Los Mm. Angeles area and we don't even have air conditioning. Oh shit. So it's so hot right now and extremely humid and Mm -hmm. This whole summer, since I've been podcasting, I basically just sweat during my recordings. And then the minute they end, I have to like instantly take a shower because yeah. I am just boiling hot. So, yeah, I feel you on the miserable temperature. You're a little bit more acclimatized than I am. I'm Irish, so we're, we just melt at this kind of temperature. Like we're not supposed to be in these conditions. It's absurd. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's get into all the good stuff today. So I am so excited that I came across you on the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. We somehow stumbled upon each other on the Girl Boss platform, which I love. I mm-hmm. tell everybody about it, especially people that are like, up-and-coming entrepreneurs or looking to grow their businesses, I'm like, you need to get on the Girl Boss, the Girl Boss platform because there's so many great people out there and it's just like an amazing networking opportunity. And I've actually a couple of people I've met on Girl Boss have been on the podcast. So love it. I totally agree. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's so such, good. It's such a good resource. Even for like I'll often see job postings up there and there's mm-hmm. only like one or two comments underneath it. I'm like why is no one else using this? This is like, it was built for people like us. This is awesome. I know. It's amazing. And so that's how I met you. And the minute that I read what you're all about, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, you're already somebody that could answer so many frustrations I've been having my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. And then I like looked at your website and I was like, oh my God, how have I not known her or this company my whole life? Like it just, it's everything I'm about, everything my audience is about. So I was like, we need you. You're coming on. Spit, spit your story and your magic to the audience. So what we're going to be talking about today is uh, negotiating salary as a woman in the workforce. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody out there listening has like struggled with this in their own experience, but I absolutely have (laughs) four years. And only recently this year in March, I was job hunting and it was the first time in my seven, eight year corporate career that I actually negotiated my salary. 
you know, during the interview process. And it was scary because I really needed to leave my old job badly. And so I remember just feeling all this fear of like, okay, I'm going to take a risk and basically tell them that like, nope, sorry, I'm going to need this amount of money. And they can absolutely say, well, adios then, sayonara. Mm -hmm. And then I'm back staying in my current position and that would be a complete nightmare. So just all this nervousness, frustration, just all the things. And prior to this March, I have never done it before. And I've gone years in the corporate world feeling angry, upset about my low salaries, about, you know, not being able to get promoted, about struggling, you know, just to get elevated in general. So I'm very excited that you're here. I cannot wait for you to tell all of us how we do this (laughs) and how we do it confidently. So let's just start off with you just telling everybody who you are, what your company's about, and like what your mission is. Yeah. So, um, what you just described is basically what I've been hearing from every single woman, by the way. It's like a really universal experience. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm 32. I'm originally from a teeny, 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 tiny village on the west coast of Ireland. Um, the smallest thing that you can imagine. Split it in half. It's still smaller than that. It's tiny. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a pretty, a pretty rural girl. And I I actually moved to, like most young Irish millennials, I emigrated, um, in 2013 and I moved to Canada, which is where I live now in beautiful Vancouver, BC, which happens to be on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Swahili Tooth Nations. Um, so this is where I live and work, um, with my lovely partner and my very high energy kitten who is currently trying to distract me. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is where I run my businesses. So the F school was, um, it's an online platform where we teach women and girls the skills that should be taught at school or uni, but aren't. So everything from, you know, how to nurture more self-confidence to how to set healthy boundaries. Even we even cover things like how to support a friend after a sexual assault, how to, set a healthy work from home routine and on and on and on. And and most recently, how to negotiate salary. That was the number one most requested thing from our community. So we were like, yeah, we have to address this because everybody is struggling with it. Totally. That is so cool. And you know, I say time and time on this podcast. So I have another segment, which is about women in history. And so many times researching these women's lives and telling their stories live on recording, I get to this light bulb moment where I'm like, we didn't learn this growing up. You know, like we weren't raised to even address these kinds of things or think about these kinds of things or how do we navigate it or resolve it or work through it? And then what do you do after the fact? And this common theme comes up so often of just like, how come we never were taught how to do this? Mm -hmm. And that's even just something like grief, for instance, like death losing a loved one. How do you how do you get through that? Like these are the things that we don't ever learn and we're just supposed to figure it out on the fly. <laughs> and 100%. It's it's kind of wild that we go through life this way. But you know, I wanted to ask so especially since you said you're from an extremely small town. Mm-hmm. Did you ever end up like in the workforce when you were still back home in your small town? Not really. Um, okay. I mean, you know, it's funny. I've I've actually been quote unquote working for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm from 
I'm from a working class family, so I got my first paid part-time job when I was like 12 years old, which sounds absurd, but it's actually not that uncommon um, where I'm from. Yeah, so throughout my teenage years, I worked in B&Bs and pubs and restaurants, and I had no problem then, like as a kid, as a teenager, saying to somebody, no, I won't work for a minimum wage. You have to give me seven quid an hour, 10 quid an hour, whatever it was at the time. And and the funny thing is that once I graduated university and I started working in and applying for more professional jobs, I kind of automatically started to kneecap my own earning potential. And and all of that like juvenile confidence just completely disappeared. I think a lot of women can relate to this actually in that there's something more intimidating about being in a professional space and you just have this like overwhelming feeling of I'm so lucky to be here and to have this opportunity so I'm just going to shut the fuck up and take this job and take whatever they offer me and like you know now I'm in an arena where I'm getting a salary instead of an hourly wage and all of a sudden I feel like a little girl who's completely out of her depth and that imposter syndrome is so real it's so impactful and I think it's something that most women can relate to and on top of that, like like you just pointed out, like I emigrated pretty soon after I graduated with my degree. So I was also looking at the salary through the lens of a new immigrant. And I had precarious immigration status. I had a funny accent. I didn't really understand how the job market worked in North America and how the hiring process worked. So I was really bad at advocating for myself. And one of the first jobs I took here was was paying me like, I think 30,000 a year, which is something like 25,000 in the US or, or maybe even less. And Vancouver just happens to be the most expensive city in the whole of North America to live. So I wasn't even make, earning like a living wage. I was working eight hours a day, commuting 90 minutes a day for peanuts. And I still didn't feel like I had any power to negotiate or to advocate for myself. Um, and that was my narrative for a while. I bounced around from job to job, like looking for jobs that were offering better starting salaries, never actually think, think, thinking that maybe I should just ask for more. And there was one job in particular that I was leaving and I was leaving for a bigger um, salary somewhere else. And when I handed in my notice, I said to my manager, you know, this new place is offering me 10,000 more. So that's why I'm going. And she said, so casually, oh, we can we can match that, no problem. Like if you stay, we'll give you ten thousand more. And I, I was so caught off guard at first. I was like, oh, that's awesome! I'm getting a pay rise without even asking. And then after I thought about it, I was just like, whoa! They really just decided to pay me the bare minimum that they could get away with. So that was a huge wake up call, and I got a lot of insight from that and motivation. Really realizing that like no one is going to offer me what I want. And also all of this time, all of the years that I had spent at that company, I could have been making so much more money. I could have thousands and thousands of dollars more for my retirement, for travel, for, I don't know, a nicer apartment or whatever. And I just didn't ask. So I didn't get it. So yeah, that was a definite turning point for me. Oh, I couldn't relate more. This literally <laughs> just happened to me where I was working towards trying to get a higher salary for a year and it basically was like okay like we're gonna we're gonna give you a little bit more money we've decided like we heard you fine 
But the amount that I got was like barely anything. So it wasn't anything to make a huge impact. It was just kind of like throw me a bone to get her to just like be quiet for a while. So I continued to look for new jobs because I, you know, the salary still wasn't good enough. And then there was an internal position that came up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm perfect for this role. It's a higher level role. I'm going to apply for this job so I can stay with my company, but at least move over to an elevated position that I'm totally qualified for that will come with a higher pay. I applied for it. I got through all the interview process and they said, sorry, we aren't going to be giving you any more money. This is going to be a transferable position. <laughs> like, Oh, no. Sorry, like, well, you got the job, but you're going to keep making the same salary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what do you mean? And then, lo and behold, at the same time, another company that I'd been applying to or interviewing with also said that they were they were interested in hiring me. They were going to pay me for the exact same job, $15,000 more than what my actual company right here that I'd already been working with for two and a half years refused to pay me. So I obviously took the offer of the external company and had to put in my notice with my current company. And when they found out, they asked why I told them and they counter offered and were like, oh, okay, well, we can actually pay you that same amount if you'll stay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Like, what a slap across the face. Yeah, I I feel like this is so common. And it's just, it's so frustrating because if if companies were more transparent, it would make everybody's life easier. Like, they don't want to have to go through the recruitment process. It's a very expensive process. Um, And to lose, like, loyal staff and hardworking staff costs them so much money in training and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, it's definitely a point of contention for me that there's not enough transparency for sure. Yeah. And like, I know that some people have utilized this counteroffer thing where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, like, how much will you go? Will you go a little bit higher? But like, I mean, how awkward. I just feel like that's so awkward if you end up staying with your company and now you know that they were only initially able to give you the absolute bare minimum, if not lower than the actual average rate for that role in the city. Mm. And then the minute that they think they're going to lose you, they're finally like, okay, fine, we'll pay you what you're worth. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that does such a harm to the soul. Like, it's such like a, I per, I felt like personally offended. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who do you think I am? Like, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it says a lot about companies as well. You know, actually, I actually heard somebody say this one time on a podcast. Always have a side hustle. Always have a side business because you're nothing to your employer. You could mm-hmm. get hit by a bus tomorrow and they will have hired somebody new before they even attended your funeral. Mm-hmm. And she said that. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so right. And that is devastating because we spend the majority of our lives working jobs. We spend the majority of our weeks at work with random employees. And to invest all your time and energy into this job and this company and this career for you to be absolutely nothing but chopped liver to them it's it's really sad. It's so sad. And it it frustrates me. It's part of the reason why I'm actively trying to get this podcast to become something big so that I can rely on myself and myself only. 
Yeah, I I totally hear you. And I think this is something that's actually a very uniquely female feeling. Um, I think because we're kind of conditioned to be these like empathic creatures, you know, we put, we put so much emotion into work and into salary and um, tie so much of our self-worth and our self like value to it. Um, I've been many times when I've like left a job, I've ended up in floods of tears just because I'm, I get so emotionally invested in these things. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real struggle to constantly remind yourself that you're in a business transaction and that, yeah, your skills are worth money for sure, but that is not taught, that's not your worth as a person, right? Like there's a market value for your skills, but at the end of the day, um, you're dealing with a business and they're making business decisions. And so they're always going to try and, and, you know, undercut and get you for as cheap as possible, um, because that's how they make money. So just out of like curiosity, because I mean, we just know, gender pay gap is a thing and you would think today in 2021 that it would be massively improved since so many women have such high level jobs president ceos you know they're so much more mixed in it's not so male heavy as much as it had been i would say women are really making their their mark and they're climbing the ladder and they're they're doing the thing but it's still a real thing and i've also experienced it at my jobs where one time I found out what the guy next to me had been making and he spent his entire day watching baseball on his like iPhone pretending to work and I was you know working ridiculous hours stressed out and like couldn't believe the amount of money he made more than I did and (laughs) just like how why what so I guess like what I'm wondering is this whole idea around like discrimination of pay. Do you think that there is actually a discrimination of pay or is it that like women aren't actually fighting for what they deserve and men are? Or is it just that there's this continues to be this like closed-minded view on male versus female workers? Like what is happening there and and why? Yeah, uh, honestly, I think it's I think it's both. Um and it's it's one of the reasons that I felt so compelled by this topic is that the wage gap it doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon, um which fucking sucks. And it's actually gotten way worse during COVID for so many women. Um and it's totally a reflection of the society that we live in, unfortunately. There are so many amazing organizations and activists who are doing really hard work to close that gender pay, pay gap, but it's, it doesn't help me and you right here, right now. Um, and so p- part of the reason that we're, we're doing these trainings is to try and give women more control over that. And I, I actually read a, a stat recently that said that women in the US are entering the retirement with around $70,000 less than men on average, and something like one in five women don't have any retirement savings at all and obviously there are multiple factors in that but I think it really speaks to the way that we think and talk and act about money like we've kind of been taught to be passive participants when it comes to our finances and our salary salary increases so that stat isn't really that surprising Mm -hmm. and I'll just reiterate that obviously there's so many reasons why women are earning less than men and why they're entering retirement with less money or with nothing at all. Like it's not your fault, but you can influence it heavily. And it's just a, just an interesting point as well is that research has come out to confirm that um, in businesses that are women led, the pay gap is not actually it's not actually smaller. 
um, which is really shocking. Um, but I think that that speaks to your point, which is that women are not asking, you know, um, that guy who was sitting beside you, who was watching baseball all day, <laughs> he got his big boy pants on and he went in and he asked for more money. And, and it, it's like, it's shit. Like, it's really sucks that that's, that's the situation that we're dealing with, but but it is what it is. And um, I feel like, you know, there's so many opinion pieces and tweets and blog posts that say, like, oh, women need to start negotiating, like, but they don't tell you how, like, <laughs> totally. and and there there's so many resources out there on how to be this, like, big, strong, like, macho, hard-ass negotiator. But most of those resources are created by men, and most of them are created for men. And it's one of the reasons I think that women don't negotiate is because I feel like, there's this misconception that you need to be this friggin' like ball breaker in a business suit with an MBA to be a good negotiator. And it's just, it's not true. Like you don't need a new personality to negotiate. You can negotiate just as you are without a personality transplant. You just haven't been given the skills, you know, that are for you yet. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because like, um, I had spent like the whole, pretty much the whole time in the pandemic looking for a new job and did a lot of different interviewing and stuff like that. And I live with my boyfriend and I talk with him about all this stuff. And he always is like, you just need to tell them, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't work. What? Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, let me roll into the interview. And like, we have had so many conversations around career and salary and money and fighting for promotions and stuff like that. And like, when I talk to him about it, it's so matter of fact of just like, you just, you get it done. You just mm -hmm. ask for the money. What do, we won't take a job that's less than this. And like, there's such like a fierceness behind him, like when he talks about it and addresses it with me and it all is in a good place. And I appreciate it because I kind of need that. You know, I need somebody to remind me that like, no, actually I do need to be fighting for this. But then I just think like, you know, how come I never have felt that way about myself when I entered the workforce? Like, and it comes kind of back to school, like you said, with with your company, like the things they don't teach you in school. You know, when I was going to college for five years, where was there any lesson plan, conversation, anything around, okay, we're about to throw you off into the wild and you're going to have to go apply to jobs. Let let us help you. Mm -hmm. Like, w what happened to that course? <laughs> Do they teach that stuff in certain majors and not others? Because it totally wasn't in mine. And it just seems like something that would be so obvious of like, all right, we've taught you all the things that you need to know for, for your career, for your industry. Now let us tell you how to actually execute when you get there, you're in your business suit, you're doing your first interview, you're totally intimidated. When you finally land the job and you're you're working under your superiors, like all the things and they don't teach that. And it's so frustrating. And so what kind of stuff does your company teach in like the realm of that? Mm -hmm. So um, one of the first things that we teach is, is what you touched on is just like dealing with that imposter syndrome. And I know this is kind of a, it's kind of a contentious topic right now, because um, especially in the feminist space, there's a lot of discourse around, well, it, we're, you know, telling women that they have imposter syndrome is telling them that they're the problem when really they're not. It's just like, this is the the kind of kind of culture that we've been thrust into and this is how we've been brainwashed basically into into believing that we we should be small and quiet and meek and just say thank you very much sir um and i and so 
but this is still one of the it's still one of the bigger hang-ups that women have when it comes to advocating for themselves and just like you were talking about with your boyfriend i've had this conversation with so many women who say that their spouse is like just go in there and fucking like get get it done and they're like okay 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 but how do I actually say that? Like me, because I don't talk like, like I would never be able to say something like that. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're two different approaches, right? Um, so we, we really try and coach women on how to, um, think about things really, um, kind of logistically and in an abstract way and not focus so much on that internal dialogue about why you shouldn't do this and why you shouldn't do that. Um, and money mindset is, God, it's so, so impactful. Like the messages that we tell ourselves about money, like for me, coming from a working class family, I feel like I absorbed so much um, money stress and it really, it really kind of, you know, dominated my narrative when it came to salary and had this, always had the scarcity mindset and was always just like happy to, to get whatever I could get my hands on. Um, and then for so, for so many other women, you know, they come from a family who thinks that it's really rude to talk about money. Like it's a massive taboo. That's so unladylike. That's so shameful. Um, or maybe you're taught that, you know, asking for more, more money is greedy. Maybe you're in a really good financial position and you think that you shouldn't be asking for more because there's so many women who have less. So it's, it's working through all of those stories, all of the baggage that we kind of tell ourselves. Um, and addressing, really criticizing our thoughts and, and trying to replace them with new ones. Um, and the next thing that we really do is get like super, super, super clear on your numbers. And this means doing a shitload of research. It means getting a little bit uncomfortable because when we say do your research around numbers, we're not talking about just like Googling. Obviously, you can start with Google, but what we should be doing is talking to our friends, talking to our colleagues, getting a mentor talking to men, you know, if you're a woman of color, talking to the white women who are in your industry or in, or in your office, because all of these things are going to help us um, really get a hold of whether the, f- the figure that we have in our head is realistic, whether we're being like way underpaid, wh- whether we're actually undervaluing our own skills. Um, and once you do that, all of these things combined will um, will prepare you to a point where you feel calmer walking into that conversation um and we focus on things like body language how to how to walk the walk and talk the talk and and what do you say and how do you say it and when do you say it and all of these kinds of things um so yeah it's a pretty holistic approach it's it's not as simple as kicking down somebody's office door and uh <laughs> and asking them for 20 grand raise yeah yeah <laughs> So I'm curious, with the the individuals that you work with, are they all people that are employed by a company or do you also have any like small business owners who maybe need a little bit of help or advice and like how to price themselves? Yeah, we do actually. So so most of our content does focus on salary, but we, we have had a couple of or maybe three, three or four uh, women come through the program who are self-employed. And this is something I relate to a lot because I, I run my own business. I also run my own editing business, which is kind of my, my bread and butter. Um, and I was, I was this person all over again when I left the job market and started working for myself. I was like back to square one with really underselling myself. And so 
Again, what we're, we really try and get women to focus on in this situation is what is the market value? Like, stop making assumptions about what you think that person is going to want to pay you personally because of your personality or because of, you know, all of these hangups that you have. What is the actual market value for that skill? What do you need to put aside for income tax and GST and whatever it is? Um, and what do you need to put aside for your overheads? And w- once you get super clear on those numbers, um, that is your number. You know, it's 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 non-negotiable. That is your rate. You are not asking somebody for a salary. You're telling them that this is the cost of your expertise and your skill. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of time just going through the math with with women can give them so much perspective, especially when it comes to being self-employed. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great question. I feel like it's a slightly different ball game, but there are a lot of there's a lot of um overlying factors. Totally, and I feel like again, imposter syndrome is a huge real thing. Where I mean, I felt that way even with my own podcast of like thinking, you know if I were to start charging for like an exclusive series, like what is that worth? Then getting to that number and thinking like, no one's going to buy this. Like, who do I think I am? And that's something that I struggle with on a regular basis as I'm trying to build my own business. But I I feel like it's the same scenario that the girl is feeling while she's sitting across from her employer about to say, I need more money. That same fear, that same anxiety. I would be curious, like, do you happen to know if there is any statistics or reports or data that's been done to figure out, like, what percentage of men feel this way ever in their careers? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure about the specific feeling about whether they're having this inner turmoil. Um, I, I will say that um, a recent stat that I read that was done by uh, Harvard University in a study that was done by Harvard uh, said that. of the male participants that they interviewed um, had always negotiated their salary. 53% is huge. Um, And that was compared in comparison with like 16% of women. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's, it's, and that's like women coming straight out of grad school as well are, um, you know, just have such a different outlook on, on what their value is and what they're contributing to a workplace. And I think this is really, you know, deep, deeply rooted. It, it, it goes way, way back. It goes way back to like when we're in elementary school and we're, you know, there's, there's statistics to show that women are kind of, or young girls are, um, encouraged not to pursue things like mathematics and economics and, and, and that kind of thing. And men are, and, the, and you get this just stacking effect of all of these different, um, issues that that make us feel like we're kind of powerless when it comes to money, you know, like we don't have any control over it. I'm curious, like if anybody out there that's listening and is can relate to everything we're talking about and they've often still even today struggle negotiating their own salaries or just haven't even attempted to do it because they just don't even know where to start. Mm. Like what kind of steps can you suggest for women to just like one, overcome the fear and then like two to just like pull the trigger like is there steps are there things that you would give to like your own clients when they when they're in your online school Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. there's there's steps there's a formula for this um it's not it doesn't have to be this this big scary um secret (laughs) so like the most important thing that that you 
I think you need to do to overcome that fear is to start being being really honest with yourself. And I, I say this because a lot of the women that I've spoken to have so many limiting beliefs around money and salary and, and what's preventing them from advancing. Um, so first question to answer for yourself is what is the worst thing that can happen? Like literally, what is the actual worst case scenario if you go into, for instance, go into your boss and tell her that you want a pay rise? The answer is not that you're going to get fired. And I've spoken to countless people about this topic Never, ever have I met someone who lost their job because they tried to negotiate a better salary. So we're, we're throwing that idea in the trash. Okay, it doesn't exist. If that was your your excuse, it's it's gone. So th- the more likely worst case scenario is that someone says no. And okay, hearing no is really uncomfortable, but like, did you die? Like, I, I know, <laughs> you know... <laughs> It's not, it's really unpleasant, but you're still breathing. That's great. And and we have strategies inside the course on how to deal with the aftermath of, of hearing from no, but your first step to overcoming that fear is to is to tone down your inner drama queen and to be honest with yourself about what, what's really holding you back. Like same goes for people who think, you know, oh, it's rude to talk about money. Like they'll think I'm greedy, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the limiting belief is, acknowledge it. Um, explain to yourself why that belief is false. You know, give yourself a little bit of, of self-therapy. And the second thing that you can do is to get prepared as fuck, like do your research. Um, and like we, like I already mentioned, I don't just mean Googling what does a marketing assistant make. I mean, like getting really, really specific on the numbers in your city and be realistic. You know, a marketing assistant in New York City is not going to make the same as somebody living in, in a, a dusty old town. Um, and and take time to really um, discuss it with people so that you're just to make sure that you're not being underpaid. And this is a process that we should all be doing throughout our careers, right? It's not just one and done. Like you're constantly going to need to be fact checking your own information and the, the knowledge that you have. Um, and yeah, I would I would just encourage women to really think about like, you know, if you're feeling powerless, like, why is that? Like, what is it? that you what is the reason that you think you don't have any power what is the reason that you're like actively like giving away your power because if you've gotten to the stage where somebody is offering you a job they want you like they've combed through maybe like hundreds of applications and decided that you're the hot thing so why would you think that you don't have any power recruiting is a very expensive process and before you go ahead and like kneecap your own earning potential and start underselling yourself, focus on the market value of that job and not what you think they're going to want to pay you personally. Like don't make any assumptions. And timing is the most beautiful, (laughs) uh, is the most beautiful piece of this puzzle is the timing. Um, Because I feel like this idea that most of us have about negotiating is like storming into somebody's office and just like, you know, flipping the table upside down. And it's not. It's not that. It's also not sitting in a performance review and being like, oh, they said I, I did a good job and so I'm going to ask for more money. That doesn't work either because you have to remember that by the time it gets to your annual performance review, they've set their budgets. They've allocated, you know, spending for each department or, or each, um, you know, region or whatever depends on where you're working. It's all funneled down and they're sitting there ready to give you your your two or three percent increase which they do for inflation and so by the time you get to that stage it's way too late to negotiate you need to be looking at this 
as a constant process that you go through every year or every two years, you're going to be setting expectations with your manager or with your boss at the beginning of the year. You're going to be letting them know that you will be expecting a salary increase at the end of the year. And you're going to be constantly checking in with them throughout the year to make sure that they're happy with your performance, to make sure that your goals are on track. And that's on you. That's something that you have to take control of because no one is going to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you're doing such a fantastic job. We just decided to increase your salary. Unfortunately, it would be great if that happened, but it it rarely does. Um, so thinking about this as a process, and I, I also feel like that really takes the sting out of negotiations, because if this is a casual conversation that you're frequently having with your boss, there is, totally. there is no big, scary, one-off conversation, right? You're, you're breaking it up, it diffuses it, and it just makes it so much more easy. Absolutely. It's not like you're like randomly out of nowhere walking into the office and dropping this bomb out of left field, and they're like, uh, what? Mm. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's way less intimidating if you've been having these like smaller size conversations yeah, exactly. uh, throughout the year. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, so I'm wondering on the flip side of that, is there anything that like, is there any major mistakes women can make when they are negotiating? Yes, plenty. <laughs> I think... Uh- <laughs> I think that I think the biggest one that that women make and this is one that I've made over and over myself as well is is saying yes just to get your foot in the door like saying yes to an offer and then being mm-hmm. like oh I'm going to negotiate later on once they know how great I am and once they know that I'm not a psychopath done it done it done it oh haven't we all and <laughs> it's like it's like oh my god getting a job offer is the most perfect time to negotiate your salary like why aren't you doing this like your starting salary is so influential um and the problem here is that if you don't negotiate a better starting salary at your at a new job the impact of that is going to stick with you for the rest of your career and i i don't want to discourage people who are already in in a a job and ha- didn't negotiate their starting salary there it's never too late to start negotiating but what we're talking about is like hundreds of thousands of dollars that you could have uh, for retirement or whatever it is, just because you negotiated a tiny like five or six percent increase on your starting salary and then renegotiate a very modest increase every year or every two years, because that like five percent increase that you negotiate for your starting salary is going to compound every single year. And all of the raises that you get on top of that are going to be um, percentages of that starting salary. So mm-hmm. failing to negotiate in the very beginning has a massive impact on your lifetime earnings. Oh, man, so much, so much stuff to learn. So many things that we need to know. On that note, tell us more about the F School. I know you have some courses available. There's like some free resources on your website. Like what can like if the person listening now is like, oh, my gosh, I need to get on this immediately. Where should they start? And, you know, what offerings do you have for them? Yeah, so we're really focusing on on skills that are going to, you know, empower you to live your best life, basically. So whether that's more confidence or or being better at advocating for yourself, you can check out our free resources at our, at our website, thefschool.com. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about negotiating your salary, we have a free webinar on how to negotiate your salary without the fear of hearing no. And you can access that at thefschool.com forward slash salary. 
And in that training, we break down, we go more in depth into the biggest mistakes that women make when when they're negotiating. We also go into how and when you should be approaching your salary negotiations and some mindset work, of course, to get you over your imposter syndrome and just kind of get you into a place where you feel like confident and calm going into those conversations. So cool. Well, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you wanted to share with the audience or any last like insight, perspective, advice, feedback that you have for the women out there that are working and trying to make that dollar? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I think I would just I think I would just repeat myself from earlier and just say, don't wait for permission, you know, to do this or don't wait for someone to tap you on the shoulder and offer you a better financial journey because you can create that for yourself like no matter your age no matter your industry or anything like that and it is going to be really uncomfortable but it's going to be so so worth it absolutely well one last question for you which I just love to ask all of my guests and I feel like this is something that at least you feel partially connected to being that you're the basis of your entire company is built around uplifting women, elevating women, empowering women. Like what does sisterhood mean to you when you think of that word? I love this question. Um, I love listening to other people's responses as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. To me, sisterhood um, is about like, I feel like it's about having a huge amount of compassion for other women and like meeting them where they are in their journey and, creating connection and community based on like our different lived experiences and not in spite of them um I just I think that there's worse as a society we're so quick to judge and criticize and it's like God, we're all on such different paths you know and just having compassion for other women I feel like just builds the most beautiful community I love it mm-hmm. so great well thank you so much for being here and just telling us everything we've all needed to know our whole lives and just nobody nobody helped us out (laughs) (laughs) well we're here to help now (laughs) a girl's gotta make her money (laughs) absolutely couldn't agree more and money money gives us options and women and that's what women need is more options right so yeah yeah totally agree well thank you so much for being here loved meeting you such a pleasure and just thank you for sharing all this amazing info with all of us likewise thanks for having me Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed today's message and I hope you learned so much valuable information from Anna and from the F School. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to help support me and this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to the show so you can receive brand new episodes direct to your phone the exact moment that they drop. If you can think of one person today that would really benefit from the information in this podcast episode, be sure to send this over to them. Sharing is caring. Help a sister out. Not only are you doing them a solid, but you're doing me a solid too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.